0: tell you that Jesus had an incredible love for Zacchaeus, and he knew him before they what? Before they met. I want to give you a background to what is happening before Jesus gets to Jericho, all right? Do you know how many times Jesus goes to Jerusalem before this final story, or this story that I'm sharing with you today, that happens in Jericho? How many times did Jesus go to Jerusalem? He went when he was 12 years old, remember, for Passover. He taught the Pharisees, right? Then soon after the wedding miracle in Cana, he goes back to Jerusalem the second time. And this is when he overthrew the money tables, or the the people that were selling everything in the temple. Do you know why Jesus got so mad? Sister White says in the Desire of Ages. She gives an incredible account of this. The money changers were the ones they took the regular money of the day, and they would change it to temple money, all right? They would change it to temple money. You know, when we go to Peru, we're gonna go to your country in two weeks, very excited, we're gonna have to go exchange our money, right? And we just believe whatever they will tell us, what the bank says, that's the currency, then we just trust that and we do it. But in Jesus' day, the money changers would do something very, very schemish, very evil. What they would do, would they, when someone brought a lamb, or a, pers- a poor person bought, brought a pigeon, they would say, you know what? That lamb is not good. It has a blemish. It has problems. you got to buy our lamb. And they had made this place a place where they would just raise livestock, their own, and then they would say, you got to use our money. So they cheated the people, not only with the money exchange, but also the fact that there was nothing wrong with their animal, But they deceived them, they cheated, they lied, they stole. And so when Christ came, he was so angry because they had made his house a house of market instead of a house of what? Prayer. A house of worship. And that's why he went in and he overturned the tables. He overturned the tables. And you taught, you preached about Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Realized when he saw that, because already people were talking about Jesus, when he saw that, now he thought, you know what, this could be the Messiah. But he had fear in his heart, and that's why he went at night to see Jesus. He was afraid that the other Pharisees, the other leaders would see that he went to be with the one that just had overthrown the tables. That's why he went in the middle of the night. That overthrowing of the tables created great what? Friction between Jesus and the leaders. This is the beginning of the friction that starts happening between Jesus and the leaders. Then Jesus comes back to Jerusalem for the Passover the third time. I just want to build on this because I want you to see what's going on with Zacchaeus and what happens in that story. And he heals the man at the pool. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? Finish the blank. Pool of, pool of, so I know you're with me. The pool of Bethesda, right? Huh? Yeah, there you go. And he heals the paralytic on the Sabbath day. Remember? Do you know something that's absolutely incredible? That Jesus heals seven times on the Sabbath. Seven different people on the Sabbath. That's pretty cool. So anyway, he heals the guy on the Sabbath. Now the leaders want to kill him. Remember the first time, it's friction. But now he's really saying what is right and what is wrong on Sabbath. And that really bothers them. Because they have been manipulating the people forever. And that really, really bothers them. So now the friction is out in the open. They're calling Jesus miracles from the the devil, Beelzebub. And Jesus is calling them... What? Hypocrites. Do you understand what I'm saying? The friction starts intensifying... Every time Jesus comes back to Jerusalem, okay, he comes back to the the fourth time, to the Feast of Tabernacles. There is a super great friction. Jesus has many followers by that time. All of a sudden, the Pharisees, it's kind of like what's happening in our country. There's, you know, people believe Donald Trump has his base. And I'm not going to go into politics, I promise. Donald Trump has his base. Well, guess what? The Pharisees had their base. And it was getting smaller and smaller. And Jesus' followers became greater and greater. And the multitude kept following and following. Right? And then Jesus does something that drives them absolutely crazy. He says in John chapter 8, I am. Okay? Do you remember when Pharaoh was being... When Moses went in front of Pharaoh... God told him, that was actually Jesus. Jesus told him, you tell Pharaoh that, who who am I? I am. I am. And now Jesus is saying, I am. What he's saying to them is, I'm God. Oh, and does this bother them? This bothers them so much that they go to try to stone him. Did you know that? They try to stone him. And guess what? He walks right through them. It's a supernatural thing. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this story, Come on, dudes. Someone walks and disappears right in front of me? I think I'd be thinking about it. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But when you are controlled by the evil one, you can't see. You can't see. You're blind. That's what he even called them. Blind. Blind. And he disappears right in front of their eyes. Jesus stays in Jerusalem and keeps performing miracles at this time. Even though he just walked through them, he still stays there. He's still saying, hey, you can't do anything to me. My time has not yet come. It's about my mission. And he stays there and he keeps doing miracles. And the Pharisees' base gets smaller and his crowds get bigger. And the people start realizing they don't have to be afraid of the leaders anymore. They don't have to fear about anything anymore because Jesus is their protector. You could cut the tension with a knife at this time. Have you ever been in a relationship where there's tension? It's not good, right? I had a roommate and I kept cleaning and cleaning and seminary, and I was a seminarian. I was ready to kill him, and I was a seminarian. You know, I was so angry with him, because he didn't do anything. It was all me cleaning and cleaning and cleaning, slaving away, and well, moms probably feel this way sometimes. And slaving, a, you don't want to kill your children, but I was so angry with him. And I think about the couples that I deal with in counseling, and the tension, the body language that's in the room, when there's tension, when they're not in love with each other anymore. Instead of their legs facing each other, they're apart. And their body language is just telling me that they are angry with each other. And there was this tension between Jesus and the leaders. And Jesus doesn't like conflict. Jesus is not going to run from conflict, and he will definitely protect his sheep when they're in trouble, but he doesn't like conflict. And so what does he do? He leaves Jerusalem. He goes to the Jordan River, and, and, and that's when he hears about Lazarus. Remember the story about Lazarus? And he, about, he, he hears about Lazarus, and you know the story. At this point, I always thought that he went back to Jerusalem after he had healed Lazarus. Remember, Thomas didn't even want to go there. He was like, Jesus, we go back there. They want to kill you there. Let's not go back there. Lazarus, he's going to get well. He's going to be fine. All he has to do is sleep. Jesus said, he's not sleeping. He's dead, right? And I always thought that from there, Jesus went to Jerusalem where he would die. That would be the last time he would go to Jerusalem. And then I was reading Sister White, and she said that, he actually healed uh, Zacchaeus after Lazarus. And that didn't make sense to me. Why would he do that when Jericho is 15 miles north of Jerusalem? Why would he backtrack to Jerusalem? I mean, backtrack to Jericho and then come back to Jerusalem because Bethany was only two miles where he where he brought Lazarus from the dead. Are you tracking with me? Two miles from Jerusalem, north of Jerusalem. But Jericho was 15. Why would Jesus do that? It didn't make sense to me. And then I read in John chapter 11 that Jesus actually when he after he brought Lazarus to death, do you, can you imagine the followers now? Now, the base of the Pharisees is really small in fact in that same chapter they go running and telling the Pharisee, "Who, he just healed someone the Pharisees are like, "Oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? This guy's even bringing people from the dead." They're, they're 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 they don't know what to do. So I thought to myself, Why, what, what's going on here? How can this be? How can this be? How can he have healed, I mean, uh, gone to see Zacchaeus after Lazarus? But in John chapter 11, like I said before, he actually goes to Ephraim. Which is very interesting, because that's north of Jerusalem. So he goes to Ephraim, and here's what I'm trying to share with this story as we read it real soon. Is that Jesus, before the cross, Wanted to save Zacchaeus. Do you get the picture? Before he went to the cross. He not only wanted to save Zacchaeus. He wanted to save blind Bartimaeus. Because blind Bartimaeus. Watch what happens. Let's go to the text now. Okay. He wants to save a blind man. And he wants to save a wretched person. Like Zacchaeus. So let's go to the text. Luke. Luke. Chapter what? What did I tell you? Chapter 19, but we're actually going to start in 18, all right? We're going to start in 18, verse 35. We find a blind beggar receiving his sight. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out. You think he just said, Jesus, hey, Jesus. Could you help me over here, Jesus? Okay, now here's where I'm going to... Everyone in the hospital is going to hear this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's screaming. He's desperate. Remember, we started with the desperation. He's desperate. He has heard of Jesus' miracles. Now he knows that at this time, at this moment, this desperateness of not being able to see the Bible doesn't say that he, he lost his sight as a kid, whether he's lost his sight as an old person, whether he's lost his sight as a... At at birth The bottom line is If you're blind You are desperate And he knows That this Jesus has been healing And he calls out and he says Son of David have mercy Why is Son of David so interesting And so significant It shows that he believes Because Jesus was going to The Messiah was going to come From the line of David So he believed Just as Abraham was credited for what? For believing. The just shall live by faith. And there he was. He was desperate and he cried out to Christ. And you know, Jesus just walked on by, right? No. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus, the multitude was following him now. There were people all around him. They knew that anyone that he would touch, anyone that was close enough, anyone that just be around him, what would happen? You would be healed. Wow. But there's tension there because the Pharisees are there too. Then we go to the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a what? Was he was just an ordinary tax collector? He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Not rich. He was what? I tell the boys the difference between rich and wealthy all the time. We're, we as Americans, we're rich. We all have thermostats, we all drive cars, we all I could bet you that you have more than one pair of shoes. We're rich. All of us are rich. But not all of us are wealthy. Wealthy is, you know, when you don't have to worry about money. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to worry about the next paycheck. You see the difference? Wealthy is when you have things that other rich people don't have. And you do things that other rich people don't do. I don't do the same things Donald Trump does. I don't have my own Learjet. I don't have, you know, all the toys that he, I don't have my own golf courses. Does that make sense? What was was Zacchaeus? He wasn't rich. He was wealthy. He was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today." So he came down once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw and began to mutter, "He has gone to be the guest of a sinner." But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated out anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you know in the book of Exodus, if you stole a lamb, you would have to give four lambs back. If you stole an ox, you would have to give five oxen back. So Zacchaeus knows the Bible. He knows. He has studied. And here he is. Quoting it, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of... you got to pay attention to this, because you're going to see this in a second. He is the son of Abraham. What does that mean? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? To seek and to save those who were lost. Let me start by describing what a publican was, a tax collector. They made their lives out of ripping people off. Zacchaeus was the most notorious tax collector of them all. He was the chief. He was the chief master butcher. He was. To understand how much he was hated, you have to understand that he was a Jew who worked for the Romans. The Romans had conquered Israel, and they would take Jewish persons' money, Through taxes, how many of you like paying taxes? What if we were conquered by someone else and we'd have to pay them besides our taxes? We wouldn't like that. The Romans just discovered they could take more money from the Jews if they had someone on the inside. Someone that understood the Jewish economy. So they hired Jewish men to be tax collectors. A tax collector was a traitor. All of the people in Jericho thought Zacchaeus, listen to this, They all thought he was the scum of the earth. They looked at him as the scum of the earth. Who do we look at as the scum of the earth? Zacchaeus maybe had heard about Jesus and how he had accepted a prostitute. Maybe he had heard about Jesus talking to the woman at the well. But I really believe this with all my heart. He knew that in Jesus' group of of the select twelve, that Matthew was a tax collector had been a tax collector, and that gave him incredible hope, incredible hope. If Jesus could love Matthew, maybe, maybe he could be accepted too. It was hard, because because I don't think he could accept himself. He decided to see Jesus. He wanted desperately to be loved. Zacchaeus had no friends. He walked the streets. You know, he he had no friends. In fact, people didn't kill him because the Romans were the masters of torture and think what the Romans could do to him on a cross. Think about that. So no one touched him even though they all wanted to kill him because of the fear of what Rome would do to them. Okay? Okay. So he walked the streets of Jericho with his new Armani robe. I made that up. His new Armani robe and his cool Nike sandals and his Mac Daddy hat. But he saw people and he knew how they thought about him and the hatred and disgust that they had for him. And he often heard, he overheard them saying how evil he was. Zacchaeus had a four-chariot garage. He was wealthy. He had a house that looked like an MTV crib but he discovered that there are other things in life than riches. He had come to the end of his own resources. He had come to to the moment of his life that he sought to see Jesus. Not a bad idea, was it? Not a bad idea. Zacchaeus was an intelligent man, and he was interested in getting to the heart of the matter. So he wanted to find out who this Jesus really was, but he couldn't see Jesus because of all the people and because he was in stature. Think of the multitude, guys. Think of the multitude. Do you know that I went to George Bush's inauguration in Washington, D.C. and we put my sister on a tree so she could see the president coming down Pennsylvania Avenue. The Secret Service made her get off the tree. But the multitude, the multitude, this is what was happening with Jesus. The multitudes were enormous. He got up in that tree to get a better look. It's rather ironic to see this executive in a sycamore tree. When Zacchaeus climbed that sycamore tree, he gave up something for Jesus that we must all give up. You know what that is? Pride. Pride. Here's that wee little guy going up into that tree, looking down to see if he can see Jesus. He gave up his pride. According to the story, Jesus came to the tree and looked up, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, Nowhere in the story does Zacchaeus say, Hey, Jesus, I'm Zacchaeus. Nice to meet you. He doesn't say that. Jesus said Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus thought, How does this guy know my name? How does this person know my name? The evidence clears. They had never met. Jesus had a divine revelation, and this was a divine appointment. Jesus had a divine revelation to go to Jericho, which was 15 miles out of the way by foot. Because he was going to go save a man. Jesus again says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down because today I'm going to your house. Talk about bold and forward. Have you ever had anyone invite themselves to your house? You know, what if I just met this young lady this morning in sub school class. What if she told me after church? Hey, I'm going to your house. Be like, "Uh, what's wrong with you? I don't even know you. Right? But here's Jesus saying, I'm going to your house. This is not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus is using a super direct approach. Zacchaeus immediately climbed down. He was overwhelmed. The moment his life had come, maybe an hour earlier would have been too late. Or too early. Maybe a day later would have been too late. God knows the timetable of every person. And there comes a moment when you see your need and you say, I need this man. I need Jesus. When the leaders of the church and the Jewish people saw that what was going on, they were shocked. How could this Jesus be going to the house of scum? And today we still hear the same thing. Church people, Christian people bashing others instead of looking at their own sin. Hmm. The people saw what Jesus was doing, and they got nervous and started to murmur. Doesn't this Jesus know who this tax collector is? Sinners who have not turned their lives to Jesus get the fidgets when someone gives their life to Jesus, because the same Holy Spirit is trying to convict them too. Aren't you glad that Jesus come to be guests with people who are sinners? Amen? If he, didn't, if he didn't do that, there would be no hope for me. When Zacchaeus heard the murmuring, he said, I will pay back to those I cheated. He wanted Jesus to love him for giving back his money. But Jesus' answer was classic. It's it's a truth that is universal, it's timeless, and it's penetrating. He said to Zacchaeus, this day salvation has come to your house. This day, this moment, this day you let me into your house. Salvation has come to you. Not because you gave people back their money. No, because you are a son of Abraham. What does that mean? He believed in Jesus. He believed in him. He believed in him. Wow. Let me tell you today, when you accept Jesus into your heart, no matter who you are or what you've done, you are the son and daughter of God. Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house, and you might ask, what is Zacchaeus going to feed him? I love that we're having potluck today. And that is not the question. When Jesus comes and knocks at your harsh door, he brings everything you need. brings everything you need. You know that the Desire of Ages says that the people turned on Christ. They started yelling, crucify. The multitude started yelling, um, crucify. But she also says, Sister White also says, that those who were healed, those who were healed never yelled out, crucify. So blind Bartimaeus never yelled out, crucify him. Remember, the story says that he followed him. Zacchaeus was healed too. It wasn't a physical healing. It wasn't that Jesus took him and made him taller. Jesus healed his heart. And he wasn't out there yelling, crucify. Why did the multitude change Why did it grow into this big, huge mom as they were coming in, as Jesus came into Jerusalem and everyone was screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna. They weren't afraid of the Pharisees. They weren't afraid of the Romans. They had Jesus, the supernatural king, the one that could do anything. But when he laid his life down and when he surrendered himself, they realized these Pharisees are still in control. And they flipped the switch and I'll start yelling, "Crucify, crucify, crucify!" Today, do you believe in Jesus? Are you desperate? Are you desperate? Are you desperate? I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I need Jesus.